This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. So I'm here today with Dr. Margaret Paul, one of the co-founders of the Inner Bonding Process, an author of several books and helper and healer to many. And I also saw in your bio that you uh, ride horses too. I do. (laughs) Which in itself can be quite a spiritual uh, experience, at Mm -hmm. least uh, in my my history. So welcome, Margaret, and thank you so much for your time and coming to talk with me today. Thank you, Melanie. I'm looking forward to it. Great. So if you can, you know, just quickly at the top here, give our listeners just a, a little overview of how how you came into the work you're doing now and how that flowed in your own personal spiritual evolution. Well, I knew since I was a child that I wanted to be a psychologist and I studied traditional psychology and and practice as a traditional psychologist uh, for 17 years, uh, but I was not happy with the results. I had, I had an unhappy childhood. I started into many, many forms of therapy uh, when I was younger, and none of them actually dealt with the level of anxiety and pain that I was feeling. And I, you know, so often we're wounded healers, and we go into this to heal ourselves, but everything that I learned in school and everything that I dealt with in therapy just didn't do it for me. And so after 17 years of traditional psychotherapy, I was on a spiritual path. I I wanted to find a process that would work deeply, and I realized by that time that there was no real healing without a spiritual connection. I didn't know how to have that connection at will, which is what I wanted. I didn't know how to teach other people to have it. And I didn't know a process for really going deep into healing. So at that time, I started to pray to meet somebody who would help me. And I met the co-creator of Inner Bonding, Dr. Erica Chopich. And she had half of Inner Bonding and I had half of Inner Bonding. So of course, we had to meet and put the process together. And that was 34 years ago. And it's been evolving ever since. And it's become an incredibly powerful self-healing process that I I just am more and more excited about it all the time. It it took time for it to evolve, took time for me to actually learn it because spirit brought it in and then I had to learn it. I had to practice it. I had to see, you know, whether it was working and I had to learn how to connect with spirit because I didn't have any of that in my background. I came from atheist parents uh, and in my household, God was a bad word. Like, oh yeah, well, you know, if you lean on God, you uh, you know, that's just a crutch. And, and, uh, and so, you know, I couldn't go in that direction in my home. Um, but I was a spiritual kid. I had to put a lid on it. And, um, but finally with inner bonding, uh, I started to learn how to have that, that connection at will. And that just changes everything in life. So tell me a little bit about how you came to to know. You said, I just knew that you couldn't have this healing without the spiritual component. What was that moment like for you? How did that come into knowing for you? 
I just saw that that people needed the 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 wisdom and the and the strength and the role modeling from spirit regarding how to love themselves. Um, we don't have role models in our society for being what we call loving adults, learning to love ourselves and truly fill ourselves with love and share our love with others. Where, where do you look for that? And so if you don't know how to access that in spirit, if you can't say to spirit, well, what would be loving to me right now? Um, you can't find out what it is because we can't, I mean, there's not books, there's not movies, there's not our past experience of, of what it really means to love ourselves and share our love. And so we have to be able to go to a spiritual source. And for people who have had deep trauma in their lives, who have had physical, emotional, sexual abuse, they need that support. They, they, they can't heal that without that spiritual support. And so it's essential that we have this. And I started to see it in my work that people, they didn't know how to get the comfort, how to get the wisdom that they needed. And neither did I until I learned to have the spiritual connection. And, you know, it seems almost uh, uh, the inverse can be kind of true, not so much these days, but I think there was a moment where psychology (laughs) and psychiatry and that was pushed out of the spiritual life as not having the the right kind of tools to do it. But now this integration of it was so crucial uh, in the work that you did. Yeah. So this is an integration of, of psychology of it's actually mind, body, spirit, because we're, we're dealing with the emotions. We're dealing with the body as well, which we can't ignore because, you know, this is where we live in this body and this is how, our emotions show up as in this body and with spirit. So what inner bonding does is helps you integrate all that and, and flow with mind, body, and spirit. So it's an integrative process. And what was it like for you to start bringing that then in? Once you had gone, you knew that you wanted to be a psychologist. You pursued that path. And then what was it like for you personally when you started to draw spiritual practices in into that? Well, it completely changed my life because up until that time, um, I, I was trained to be, to be a caretaker, like so many women to, to, you know, to kind of sacrifice yourself, put yourself aside. It's selfish to take care of your own feelings, that kind of thing and take care of everybody else, which is what I did. I was taking care of my parents, my clients, my kids, my husband, but not me. And, uh, and I was getting sick. I was getting very ill because we get very depleted, it, you know, especially if we don't know how to tap into the energy of spirit and re-energize ourselves and we're just giving, giving, giving. And we expect, oh, maybe if we give so much, we're going to get back, but we don't. And so we get very depleted. And so at that time, when I started to practice inner bonding, I realized that I was, you know, I was not taking care of myself on the emotional level. And I didn't know how to. And so with inner bonding, I started to take care of myself. It, it caused all kinds of turmoil in my life because when you've been caretaking other people for a long time, they don't like it when you start taking care of yourself. And, um, and so everybody was mad at me, but I had made a decision that I was going to do this or I was going to die. I knew I was going to die because I was getting so sick if I didn't take care of myself. And so my life completely changed at that point. Um, actually, I started to feel joy for the very first time in my life. It was amazing. Wow, I love that joy was the indicator of yeah. the success of the method. Yeah. Right. And you know, so my teacher, Ram Dass, you know, he, he was trained in psychology and was teaching mm-hmm. psychology, and then, you know, had this awakening and wanted the whole thing to to flow and to continue and to not be this separate, separate worlds. You said as a kid, you had to keep a lid on it, right? And now you're telling me that joy was the result of, of turning in and allowing that to express itself through you and within you. Right. And, and not only joy, but a sense of personal power, 
where uh, I got to know who I am because, you know, we don't get mirrored well. From, you know, most of us don't get mirrored well by our parents or caregivers. They don't really see us because they can't see themselves. They don't know who we are in our soul essence, that spark of God that's within each of us. And so they, we don't get to see who we are. And we develop this you know, ego wounded part of us that we think is who we are. And we squash who we really are because it's not being loved. And so we lose touch with who we are. And we can't learn to see who we really are and define who we are through that ego-wounded part of us, because that part of us thinks we're not good enough. And so the only way that we can define our true intrinsic worth is through the eyes of love, which is the eyes of spirit. And so we need to be able to have this two-way communication. We need to be able to tap into um, that spiritual love and wisdom in order to see who we really are and begin to define our own worth. Because when we don't do that, we're dependent on other people's approval. And we're constantly trying to get approval and be okay in the world and perform and don't make mistakes and not fail, you know, in order to be okay. And that's such a hard way to live. But once you learn to tap into that higher wisdom and that higher love, and you learn to bring in the truth of who you are, you're, you're no longer focused on whether other people like you or reject you. Because as long as we're not loving ourselves, we're actually rejecting ourselves. So even when we're in relationship with somebody and we're trying to get love from them, we've already rejected ourselves the moment we're trying to get their approval. We've already rejected ourselves. And so even if they think we're fantastic, it doesn't sink in very much until we learn to do that for ourselves. And that's what practicing inner bonding does. It teaches you how to see and value and love yourself and tap into that source of love and wisdom that's always here for us. Can you speak a little bit about what that dialogue is? You talked about having the dialogue between... Uh, the spirit love and the ego self? Well, it's actually, so let me just briefly go through the steps of inner bonding so that you can uh, get a sense. This is very, very brief. But the first step is, is that we have to be willing to get present in our body with our feelings. If we're going to, you know, many of us learn to stay up in our head, to numb out with addictions, uh, to judge ourselves, to make other people responsible for us. We got to get inside and feel our feelings, even our painful ones. And inner bonding teaches people how to learn to learn from and manage your feelings rather than avoid them. And so step one is the willingness to feel your, your feelings and, and wanting responsibility for them rather than wanting to avoid them. Well, and then step two... I know we were going to run through these quickly, but that might take some time to have oh, wanting, yeah. wanting to have responsibility for them. Right. That's a whole other thing. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. And yes, it took me time to want that because <laughs> most of us have learned to hand it away to other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a practice to get in your body and want responsibility for your feelings and mm-hmm. even learn about what that means. Mm-hmm. Great. And then um, the basis of inner bonding it, uh, has to do with intention and that there's only two intentions to choose from at any given moment. And one is the intention to learn about love and truth, what it means to love yourself, about your false beliefs, uh, how you're trying to control everything. And the other is the intention to protect against your pain with various forms of controlling behavior. And so in step two, we move into our heart and we consciously open to learning about loving ourselves and we teach people how to connect with their higher source of guidance so that you create what we call the loving adult self. And the loving adult is who we are when we're open to learning and we're connected with our higher source of love and compassion. And then in step three, that's the deep dialogue process where let's say somebody's feeling anxiety. And you can imagine that the anxiety is you can you know think of it like an inner child or your feeling self or you know your body communicating with you however you want to look at it but what we're doing is we're dialoguing we're saying from that adult self is there something i'm telling you some way i'm treating you that's making you feel anxious or depressed 
or guilty or shamed or angry or alone or empty. See, we cause these feelings. We cause these very painful feelings by our self-abandonment. And so now we want to know, what am I doing that's making you feel this way? And we go inside and we learn to let the feelings tell us how we're abandoning ourselves, whether it's physically by eating a lot of junk food, um, which can give us brain fog, which can create anxiety and depression because of the toxicity that's going into the brain, or whether it's because we're judging ourselves, putting ourselves down, being hard on ourselves, we're telling ourselves we have to be perfect, we can't make a mistake, or because we're just handing responsibility to somebody else, or we're numbing out because we're turning to food or alcohol or drugs or porn or, or TV or gambling or spending or all of these addictions that people turn to to numb out and not feel their feelings and not take responsibility for them. And so in this step, we're asking, what am I doing how am I abandoning you physically and emotionally that's causing these feelings? And once we understand what we're doing, we go to a deeper level and we say, where did I learn this? What do, what, why do I do this? What do I think I'm going to gain? And that's where we start to tap into the unconscious or subconscious level of false beliefs that we're operating from. And it's very important that we start to tune into these because once we see, oh, I'm telling myself that I'm not good enough or that I've got to be perfect or whatever, then we start to see, well, where did I learn that? What happened? And that's what takes us into the past. What happened where I learned this? And once we get a full picture of that, then we go to step four. And step four is where we dialogue with our higher guidance. And we're asking two questions. What is the truth about any of the false beliefs that I'm operating from? And what is the loving action toward myself? And we learn to open and receive that information. Now, that takes practice, of course. But we have very specific methods of teaching people how to access that higher guidance, which we can talk about here. And then in step five... Once we access that information, we take the loving action for ourselves, whatever it is that we're guided to take. Without the action, nothing changes. Right. I love that action is an entire step, right? We yeah. came up oh, with yeah. the action. Now we're taking that. And we that. take the action. Mm -hmm. And then in step six, we go back in, back into our feelings and we evaluate, how do I feel now as a result of the action I've taken? And if I'm feeling lighter, if I'm feeling relief, if I'm feeling less, less shame, less anxiety, whatever, then I know I've taken a loving action. And if I don't feel better, I have to go through it again to find another loving action to take. And, but once I take that action, it's like, oh, it's such a relief inside. You know, it's like, it's like a baby is crying because um, they're, they're hungry or they're lonely and you pick up the baby and you feed them and you rock them and they feel relief because you're taking a loving action. And it's the same thing on the inner level. Our pain is indicative of the fact that we need to take an action, a loving action for ourselves. And when we take it, we bring relief. That's fantastic. It's such a uh, in the it's such a nice blend of the yin and the yang in the process there right. of being receptive and active in, in the same flow. Right. Which that's I sometimes think that that's the best of the blending of the psychology and the spiritual. That's right. And that sometimes in the spiritual, at least I know in my life, <laughs> it has become it can become easy to sit more in the receptive receptive, 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 receptive. Right. And like having the structure of these six steps of inner bonding to, to step into action in the same, in that flow. Yeah, that's right. And, and lots of times when people are in that receptive mode, they're actually doing what's called a spiritual bypass. They're connecting to spirit 
but they're actually ignoring their feelings. Like let's say the baby is crying and you're just here blissed out meditating and you're receptive, but <laughs> the baby is crying and you're avoiding, you're actually using a form of meditation mm-hmm. to avoid responsibility for your feelings. Right, and or not having, a, not having a structure or know how to handle the that's right. feelings, what to do with the that's crying baby. Right. Right. That's right. right. And, and so what I'd like to talk about is is the whole issue of the spiritual connection, because this is so important. And what people don't realize, this is what I've written about in my new book. It's called Diet for Divine Connection. And it's beyond junk foods and junk thoughts. I can show you a picture of it. Beyond junk foods and junk thoughts to at will spiritual connection. And that's coming out... It's out. It's it out now. Out March first. Oh, it came, came out March first. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Great. We'll have a link yeah. to that on the on the Shakti Hour page, so you can grab a copy. So, Great. Right. Diet for divine connection. Right. And so the first half of the book is it's about the food diet because in order to um, access our higher guidance, the uh, guidance exists at a higher frequency than we naturally live at because it vibrates at a higher level. We vibrate at a fairly low level so we can see each other. Like if we vibrated like a hummingbird's wings, we wouldn't see each other. Uh, and so, but in order to access our guidance, we have to raise our frequency. And there's basically two things that we need to do. And so, you know, let me just give you a little story about how I discovered this because this, this has been a process. Fantastic. I was a sickly child. And when I was in my early 20s, um, I, I was tired of being sick. And so at that time, I started to read everything I could about health. Fortunately, I read Siling Spring by Rachel Carson. I read a book called The Poisons in Your Food by Longgood. And I realized, wow, there's some really intense things going on with our food supply. That was a very long time ago for me. Um, but I threw everything out. And there was one little, one little health food store in Los Angeles at that time where I lived. So I started eating all organic at that time. And, and I have ever since. And my health greatly improved. Um, but then I, then I went on this spiritual search and I wanted to connect. And I had moments of it, like people do, moments where you feel really connected. But I, I couldn't do it whenever I wanted to. Couldn't do it at will. And I was searching. I had a guru. I joined a meditation group. I did all this stuff. I still couldn't have it at will. Well, then inner bonding came in from spirit. And then I realized, wow, when I move into an intention to learn about loving myself, it's very specific. It's not the learn about the lottery numbers. It's about loving myself. Suddenly I had that at will connection. So I thought, oh my God, this is fantastic. All I have to do is have my clients learn how to move into this tension to learn about loving themselves, and they'll be able to connect with their higher guidance. Well, it didn't work out that way. They couldn't do it. And it took me time to put the dots together. But finally, I realized that the reason I could, because I'd been eating so well for so long, that my frequency was already fairly high. And when I moved into the intention to learn, it raised it high enough for me to have that access easily at will. And so it takes these two things. It takes the frequency of your body and the frequency of your mind. And that's why this book, the first half, is about the foods that we put in our body and what they do to us when they're not, you know, when they're processed. And the second half is the inner bonding process to move beyond the junk thoughts, beyond junk food and junk thoughts. So really can't wait to read this. I'm so sorry that some reason I thought it was coming out um, this next month, but I'm really excited to to dig deep into that with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about this book, and everybody so far has read it, has really loved it. And so what I do in the first part of the book is I go very deeply into many of the things about our current food that people don't know, because I've been researching it for a very long time. And there's just a lot of things people don't know about our food processing, about what happens when they eat food that's not organic, but what happens when they eat factory farmed meats or factory farmed chickens or eggs or dairy or any of that. 
they really start to understand what happens. And I teach people how to tune into how to eat that's right for their body because there's no one way that's right for everybody. You know, people get on this philosophy of that. This is the way to eat, but it might not be right for their particular body. And so I teach people how to learn that. What is right for them? What supports their high frequency? And that's the first half of the book. A lot about the food and a lot about tuning in to how particular foods affect you and whether they're raising your vibrancy, your frequency, or whether they're lowering it. And of course, this, you know, this has a huge effect on health. And then the second half is dealing with what would get in the way for people to really nourish themselves, to really be focused on good health. What are the fears? What are the false beliefs of learning to love themselves enough to care about that? Because a lot of people say, yeah, yeah, I know I ought to eat well, but mm, you know, I'm just not that motivated or I don't think it's that important. And they just don't love themselves enough to be deeply motivated to take loving care of themselves on both the physical and the emotional levels. And so this is a very powerful book that will help people raise their frequency high enough to have that at-will divine connection. And that changes everything. Because then you know you're never alone. Then you, you become your own guru. You, you, you have this authority that you can turn to at any time for what's in your highest good. And that's what I do now all the time. I'm always saying, well, what's, what's loving to me now? Now what's in my highest good right now? And because I've been practicing a long time, I get those answers all the time. And how do those answers come to you? Do they come as intuition or do they come as directions or signs? Or They come in a lot of ways. Sometimes they come um, as direct words uh, that pop into my mind. There's a difference between the words that come from your mind, which is from the ego wounded self that's in our lower brain in the amygdala and the words that come through our mind from our higher guidance, our higher self. And, and you can learn to, to distinguish the difference between the ones that are coming from your mind and through your mind. So sometimes the words pop in, words, sentences will pop into my mind like somebody talking to me. Sometimes there's pictures, sometimes there are whole holograms, sometimes they're in a dream, sometimes I'll open a book, it's there, Sometimes I'll hear myself saying it as I'm talking to somebody else, working with a client. So it's, a spirit will find a way to communicate and how when did you're you learn open. To, how did you learn to trust that? This is I practice. had to test it. Mm -hmm. I had to test it. Mm -hmm. I tested it over and over. Sometimes I would listen and see what would happen. Other times I didn't and see what would happen. And invariably, when I listened, good things happened. And invariably, when I didn't, it wasn't so good. Yeah, so it's a it's a testing process. I didn't I didn't believe it at first. I thought I was making it all up. Right. You know, you know sometimes it feels like that. Oh, I'm just making this up. But as I tested it, I realized, wow, this is this is really here. I really am not alone. I'm really getting this amazing guidance. Right. And yes, it's intuition, it's feelings. Very often, it comes through our feelings. Right. And that's why Speak so about that a little bit, could you? That that feelings, because I think oftentimes in the spiritual um, practice, we're taught not to, you know, indulge in our in our feelings as a distraction from the the true self. So, talk talk about that a little bit. How does how does intelligence or wisdom come through our feeling self? Our feeling self is our true self. Our feeling self communicates. If we imagine that our soul is really huge and a part of our soul is inside and the rest of it is all around us, that part that's inside is our true self and communicates very often through feelings. And they're unerring. And when we learn to pay attention to them, they have an enormous amount of information for us. It's very sad that people have been told not to trust their feelings because our, see, we, we, in inner bonding, we divide feelings into two categories. One is what we call the wounded feelings. These are the feelings that we cause by our self-abandonment, 
This is the anxiety, depression, guilt, shame, anger, emptiness, aloneness, jealousy, these kinds of feelings. Then there's the feelings of life. You know, like, like you lose a loved one, you're going to feel lonely, you're going to feel helpless, you're going to feel the grief and the heartbreak of, of life situations. And when we were young, when we were little, we couldn't handle those feelings. We couldn't handle the depth of loneliness, um, the, depth, uh, the depth of helplessness over other people or over ourselves or of heartbreak because so many of us had so much of that. And that's why we learn to, to dissociate, to disconnect, to, to, to judge, to make others responsible. We learned how to abandon ourselves in order to survive these painful life feelings, these existential feelings. And we never learned how to manage them. Well, now these feelings are very important. Not only do we need to learn to manage them, we need to learn to learn from them. And so all of our painful, wounded feelings have information. They're letting us know we're abandoning ourselves. We're rejecting ourselves. Our feelings of peace and joy and fullness let us know we're loving ourselves. Um, if you're with somebody and you get this feeling of loneliness with them, that feeling is telling you that either you're disconnected or they are or both of you are because you can't connect. If you connect, you're not going to feel lonely with that person. And so our feelings have so much information for us and they are truly unerring in the information they give us. So it's very sad to say, oh, don't, don't pay attention to your feelings. They don't mean anything. They are our source of inner guidance and intuition. Yeah, it's fairly beautiful, and it's also the it's also bringing up for me the embodied feminine, the the feminine embodiment of of spiritual awakening, of your awakening right. through the body, through mm -hmm. the experience, the the descendant awakening as the the transcendent and the descendant, and right. um, and I just love uh, I love that your 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 book is is drawing us into vibration that we can cultivate ourselves as means to have that that direct at will connection right yeah and right. can you tell me a little bit about how you noticed that shifting in your own self over time or was it just in the reflection of your clients when you when you saw that they they couldn't grab it. Then you started to see how it had come into being in you. Well, then, yeah, then I started to understand how come they can't do it the way I can. And then I started to put it together with what, you know, how I was eating and, 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 and my level of energy. Because when I was in my early 20s, I, I had no energy. I was always fatigued. But now, in my older years, I have an enormous amount of energy. And I have an enormous amount of focus. And so many people that are so much younger than I am, they don't have the energy I do. They don't have the focus. And I started to see, okay, I'm doing something a whole lot different than these people are. And that's, you know, that's my food. That's what I'm doing. Not only the inner bonding, but how I'm eating. And, and I've been doing it for a very long time. I, I started eating this way 56 years ago. And so I've been doing this a long time and it shows up in my incredible health and my incredible energy. And then I realized that is, that's what's helping my frequency. And that's what's stopping people from raising their frequency high enough to access their, their guidance. And so as I really started to, to connect the dots with myself, I, I became able to access so easily. I, I cannot tell you. It's just so easy for me right now. And it changed everything in my life. I started trusting me. Nobody else became an authority over me anymore. I gave nobody authority to tell me what was right for me, no matter what it was about. And I gave authority to my higher power. And that's just been amazing to be able to do that and to be guided moment by moment. It changes everything. My life is so completely different today than it was then, it just blows me away. It just blows me away. Well, and I can, uh, I mean, you can hear it in her voice, and, and I can attest to sitting here over the Skype that the energy and the vibrancy is 
palpable in just speaking with you and seeing you. So yeah, definitely that, that frequency and that commitment and that intention to being whole. And what would you say the intention is? What is the intention behind your practice or behind inner bonding? It's to evolve as a loving human being. I think as see, that's the, that is the soul's journey to, we came here to evolve in our ability to love and to fully manifest that love on the planet. Each of us has been given gifts and we, uh, within our essence, we have a blueprint for what those, you know, for how we're going to, how, how we really want to manifest those gifts, what we came here to do. But until you learn who you are, you don't know what that blueprint is. And so we are here to evolve in our ability to love and to extend that love out to others and to the planet in the ways that we individually came here to do. And that is the intention of my work. That is the intention of inner bonding, is to love. Fantastic. There's a quote that's on your website today, or daily inspiration. Speak your truth to others in the moment or as soon as you are aware of it. If you choose not to speak your truth, then you let the issue go. Resenting the other when you choose not to speak your truth only leads to stress and distance with others. So I, I love that it's a good tie-in from you saying the intention is to love and extend that love. And then this, this uh, quote that I saw on there today from about truth, uh, our guru Maharaji, Neem Karoli Baba, is love everyone and tell the truth was his, one of his main directives. Yeah. So how, so speak to this about speaking your truth and, and what, how do we do that? What is that? What is that? What does that mean? Speaking your truth. You know, see what it means is speaking, um, is being in touch enough with what you feel and what's right for you and being in touch enough with your guidance so that you know, what's loving to you to be able to express that truth in a way that's not an attack. That's not a blame. Like, let's say somebody is, is, is being judgmental or somebody is yelling at you or, you know, being mean in some way. Um, to express your truth would be to be able to tune inside and know this isn't loving to me. This doesn't feel good. To be able to tune into guidance and say what would be loving. And then to be able to say to that person, you know, this isn't feeling good and I'm, I'm just not available for you to treat me this way. So I'm going to go in the other room or I'm going to take a walk and maybe in a half an hour we can talk about it, but you know, not, not this way. And so that would be an expression of truth. I'm not going to do this right now. It's not trying to control the other person. It's not saying you can't talk to me that way because yes, they can. <laughs> Obviously we don't have any control over that. But it's being in our truth. I, this is not okay with me. I, I'm not available for this. So what I'm going to do is remove myself and I'll come back and check in with you later. And so that would be speaking your truth. But if you, you don't speak your truth and you stand there and you let somebody berate you and judge you, and then you're angry and resentful at being treated that way, you've let yourself be a victim. That's not taking responsibility for yourself. Then you try and talk about it later. People in relationships always have this problem. You know, they don't do anything in the moment. Then later they come to their partner and they say, you know, it really hurt me that, that you talked to me that way. And their partner says, I don't know what you're talking about. And they don't even remember what they did. And so it doesn't even get anywhere. And, and they're coming to their partner. The truth is there takes some courage and, and also yeah. some self-knowledge that you keep bringing back to. That's how right. can you do it if you don't know yourself? Yeah. And how can, you not, how can you know yourself if you don't know source or spirit within? That's right. And That's so right. all of these things uh, tie together. But I also like that you said, you also said in this quote, you know, then let the issue go. Mm -hmm. So if maybe I notice I didn't work up the courage or the capacity to speak my truth in that moment, I can kind of go back to this process I'm seeing to let that go, reconnect, find out why maybe I didn't That's right. do that, and then move forward. 
Yeah, but trying to talk with the other person about it will often not get anywhere. Because they, you know, when we're upset, um, we're operating from our lower brain. And research shows that when we're in our lower brain, we don't remember most of what we say. And so if we come to the person who's been angry or mean or whatever and try and talk with them about it, they don't remember what they've said. And so what's the point of doing it? It isn't going to get anywhere. Right, right. That's really insightful because you're trying to go back to a different state of mind. Yeah. Which is actually where you don't want to be anyway. You didn't want to be right. there in the first place. No. So, so really practicing that, that, that truth telling is a really uh, a strong practice. Right. That takes all of these things we're talking about of tuning in and being able to be present for that. Yeah. And in order to do that, you have to reach a place, and this isn't easy for people, it wasn't easy for me, to reach a place where I'm willing to lose other people rather than lose myself. That's a hard place to get. And I'll never forget the day that I finally made that decision, is I'm willing to lose everybody else, but I'm no longer willing to lose me. And once you really make that solid decision, then you're on the road to speaking your truth and taking loving care of yourself. But if you're going to continue to try and control how other people feel about you, you're going to be giving yourself up. Can you tell us a little bit, share a little bit more about what that was like for you? That, that moment of taking well, that power? Was, yeah. Yeah. It, it actually, it was soon after I started practicing inner bonding and I was doing a dialogue because I was feeling bad. And, um, and so I was going inside and asking my inner child what I was doing that was making me feel bad. Well, that day, that part of me, that feeling part of me, decided to really let me have it. And so I started, as this inner part, started to yell at the adult part of me who wasn't taking care of me. And I was saying, you know, you take care of everybody else. You're there for everybody. You turned into their feelings. You don't even know I'm here. You don't listen to me. You don't pay attention to me. I'm invisible to you. You know, when is it my turn? When do I get your love instead of you giving it to everybody else all the time? You know, when is it my turn? And I heard, I heard it. And I realized, okay, you know, in order for me to do this, I have to face my greatest fear, and that is that if I really start to take loving care of myself instead of caretaking everybody else, I'm going to find out that the people who say they love me really don't, that they've only been here because I've been taking care of them and not because they really love me. And that's, where, that's how you find out who your friends are. Because your friends will say, yay, finally, you're taking care of yourself. But those people who have just been using you will not like it at all. Well, and I can relate that to the, the process of working with the guru. So I've been, you know, practicing bhakti yoga, which is, you know, seeing love in the guru. And, and to your point about the intuition before, too, of if I listen the result was joyful, peaceful. And if mm -hmm. I didn't, it wasn't. It's, you know, it's getting much, much, much better. But it's been mind boggling to me when I when I wouldn't, why would I choose to not go with the loving, peaceful outcome that I'm, you know, could be really difficult, that telling of right. the truth, that stepping into love. Right. And, and, and instead, you know, go back into these other more conditioned places right. and and that that sometimes is referred to you know sometimes there's that's referred to as grace when grace just steps in and says right. you know what no you're not doing that anymore you're moving right. you're going to move forward you're going to take some courage and you're going to step into this new right. opening so what do you offer people who are on the precipice of that to encourage them to take that leap. Yeah, see, one of the things, one of the big um, false beliefs that a lot of people have 
is that their best feelings come from getting love. And so they want to try and have control over getting love from other people, and they're afraid of losing love. And what they don't get is that their best feelings come from loving themselves and then being able to share love, which is completely different than getting love. And, and so what I help people see is that their, their lives are very hard because when they're trying to get love, they're always performing. You know, did I do it right? Did I say the right thing? Is this person going to like me? Oh my God, what if they reject me? Then I'm not good enough. Such a hard way to live. But when we start to really understand what it means to love ourselves and take loving care of our own well-being, our own pain, our, our own joy, um, we get so filled up with love. That's where the grace is. We get so filled up with love that then we want to share it. And that's when we start to draw people in who also want to share love because we, we, we attract at our common level of self-abandonment or our common level of love. And so the degree to which we are abandoning ourselves is the degree to which we're going to draw in people who are also abandoning themselves, maybe in different ways, but still abandoning themselves. And they're going to try and get our love, and we're going to try and get their love, and we create these codependent systems which don't work. But as we learn to love ourselves, we, we become, it brings so much joy to, to share love, to offer love. And that's where the joy is. That's where the power is. And when people really understand that they've been living this way all this time trying to get love and they never actually feel it and they never actually feel filled up for more than, you know, 10 minutes or whatever, um, then they become motivated. Okay, okay, there is another way to live that's much, much more joyful, much more fulfilling. And when they, you know, when they take the risk of practicing it, they see very quickly how much better they feel. And that is the third tenet of our guru, Neem Kurli Baba, is if, if you want to get enlightened, serve people, feed people. So mm -hmm. that giving, that stepping in, and I love that you presented it, that that's where the grace is, and that and taking the risk, taking the risk to give, right, is leading yeah. you to that, but, to that fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, there's two different places to give from. There's the people who are, who are very empty, and they're basically abandoning themselves, and they're trying to give in order to get. Oh, if I give, then maybe God will love me, or I'll get in heaven, or if I give, maybe I'll get this approval. And you know, that giving doesn't actually help anybody. But when we've learned to love ourselves and fill ourselves up, then giving is so incredibly joyful, so incredibly joyful. And that's, that's the giving that's healing. When we're giving from the heart, not to get something back, not with an agenda, but because it feels so good to give. And that's where this planet needs to get to, where people find the deep joy in giving, not to get anything back, but just because it feels so good to give. Thank you for, for making that distinction, and that, that is a really beautiful way of describing it, and, and an in, a global intention that I will support with you, that we get to that place. Right. So, I mean, I would love to talk to you for hours, because this is just <laughs> wonderful, and your enthusiasm for your work, and, and, the, and how it's clearly embodied in you is, is definitely inspiring. But I want to get uh, to this question that I ask all of my guests, which is if you had a specific piece of advice to offer to women and girls on the spiritual path. You know, one of the most important things that people can start to do is just to be asking with a genuine desire to learn, what is loving to me right now? What is in my highest good right now? And to develop the habit of asking that question throughout the day and starting to access that information and then take the action based on that. That, that will change, just that will change their lives. And I, you know, I really love how you say that, that learning, being mm -hmm. open to learning that 
You right. know, just being open to learning that and asking that question and doing that throughout the day. Right. And taking that into action. Right. Just yeah, fantastic. It's profound. It's life changing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can find, uh, there's a, fr a free uh, e-course on your website for mm -hmm. um, inner bonding. You can get turned on just to, to sample that. And then your new book, please state the title again for me, The Diet. It's uh, Diet for Divine Connection. Diet for Divine Connection. We're going to have a link to purchase that on the Shakti Hour page at BeHereNowNetwork.com along with other uh, offerings from uh, Dr. Margaret. And um, I just found this to be so enlightening and, and so inspiring. And I really appreciate your your dedication to this work and to sharing the love that you have found with all of us uh, through the process of inner, inner bonding and sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you so much. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.